for about four years or so, and we had seen him, I had seen him Saturday and knew that he was declining. I wasn't sure he was going to make it for Christmas, so when I got the call Sunday, which was the day after I'd seen him, I, I wasn't totally surprised. So, but he did pass away, and um, mom is doing well. Okay, she was not doing very well Sunday or Monday, but between Monday and Wednesday when we had the funeral, a lot of the questions and the issues she had got settled, and uh, by the time the funeral came around, she was in much, much better shape, okay? Um, she got to meet with one of her sisters that she hadn't seen in about five years, and uh, it was good. So mom's doing well as well. Um, today... The title of the message is, Who Am I in Yeshua? Yeshua is the Hebrew name for Jesus. So, Who Am I in Jesus? That's the title of the message. But before I go there, I have to give you some background so that it'll make sense when we get to that piece of the message. Now, I need to start in Genesis 1.1. See me do this because I can't read it when I have them on. Genesis 1.1 says, In the beginning God prepared, formed, fashioned, and created the heavens and the earth. That's in the Amplified Bible. Now here's the question. Out of the whole observable universe that we have, what percentage of that is the earth? Anyone? Who's Mars? Point zero zero one. Anybody else? Well, the mathematics is 2.5 times 10 to the minus 50. Sorry, I got that correct. Excuse me, minus 60. What does that mean? Well, that's a period with 59 zeros in front of it and a 2. Insignificant comes to, to mind. Okay, so the Earth, in terms of universe that we can see, and it still continues to go beyond that, is very insignificant. Now, in this passage, we've got a couple of things that are said there. In the beginning, God, who formed it, we know who, tells us, but we also see. The size relative for us, the universe is extremely large. Bear in mind, God is bigger. God is bigger. Okay? Got a couple of passages that I'm going to read. David wrote, What is man that you are mindful of him? And the son of earth-born man, that you care for him. That's Psalm 8, verse 4 in the Amplified. Or in Job, it says, What is man that you should magnify him and think him important? And that you should set your mind upon him. That's Job seven seventeen. Or, it... Or... It is God who sits above the circle, the horizon of the earth, and its inhabitants are as gra 
It is he who stretches out the heavens like gauze curtains and spreads them out like a tent to dwell in, who brings dignitaries to nothing, who makes the judges and rulers of the earth as chaos, emptiness, falsity, and futility. That's uh, Isaiah wrote that in Isaiah 40, verses 22 and 23. Or um, we have in the book of Job, Bildad the Shuhite, by the way, some folks will tell you that he's the shortest person in the Bible. That's so. In the New Testament, we have a man who slept on his watch. Okay, so keep that in mind. So Bildad the Shuhite says in Job, how then can man be justified and righteous before God? Or how can he who is born of woman be pure and clean? Behold, even the moon has no brightness compared to God's glory, and the stars are not pure in his sight. How much less man who is a maggot and a son of man who is a worm? That's in Job 25, 4 through 6. So you see... In the Old Testament, there's several places where the individual started to look at himself in terms of how big the universe is from what they could see at the time and who God was. So the question is, who am I in Yeshua? Okay? Let's pray here for a moment. Father, I ask you to show yourself understand who you are, how you created us, I need you to pay close attention to what I'm saying right now. Okay? It's an easy concept to understand, and yet very easy to confuse. Okay? So here's the thought. What you are made of is what sustains you, is what you go back to when you pass away. Okay? Everybody have that? What you are made of is what sustains you, is what you go back to when you pass away. Right, so let's see what that means. In Genesis 2.7, it says, And the Lord formed the man's body from the dust of the ground and breathed into it the breath of life, and the man became a living person. That's the New Living Translation. So it says we're made of the earth. Okay? Dust we're made of and dust we return to. Same thing with all the trees and the animals and everything else around us. However, Scripture also says, and this is Genesis 1, 26 and 27, God said, let us, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, make man in our image after our likeness and let them have complete authority over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the tame beasts, and over all the earth, and over everything that creeps upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. 
God created man in his own image. In the image and likeness of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. That's the Amplified. Note, you're also made of spirits, God's spirit. So that means you're made in God's spirit. You're sustained by your relationship with God. And when you pass away, you return to him. Okay? So the physical comes from the earth. It's sustained by the earth. You know, you might not like zucchinis and the rest of it, but that's part of what sustains you. And then when you pass away, you go back to the earth. But what makes you different is God created each one of us in his likeness. That's his spirit. What sustains you is your relationship with him. How's your relationship doing? Anybody here well fed? Anybody starving? I'm not talking about the physical either. I'm talking about the spiritual relationship you have with the Lord. Okay? So bear that in mind that there's two parts. That makes us different, by the way, of all the animals and everything else that God created. Because mankind is the only one he made that way. So let me go back to David's question. What is man that you are mindful of him? And the son of earthborn man that you care for him? We already know the earth is insignificant compared to the rest of the heavens he made. So it makes us significant to God. We're made in his image. We're made in his image. We don't come from monkeys or any of that, that kind of stuff. Is We're made in his image. Now, the Lord gave us some instructions, but it says, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may freely eat of every tree of the garden, except of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and of blessing and calamity you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. And that's Genesis 2, 16 and 17. And we know the rest of the story is Adam and Eve did partake, question is, is God's word true? In that day you will surely die. Did they die that day? Answer yes. Spiritually they died. Let me give you a frame of reference. Scripture says they died physically. Nevertheless, do not let this one fact escape you, beloved, that with the Lord, one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day. Not a one of them lives to be beyond 960-odd years, so not a one of them lives to be a thousand. So in God's days, 
They all passed away the same day. So the scripture is true. But you've got to make sure you understand what your reference is, what God's reference is, and not just your own mind. Okay? So, spiritually, they all passed away that day because their relationship was severed with God. And physically, they all died in God's day. Now, just think about how long we live. Okay? Significantly shorter than what God's day is. Now, that's the background. more scripture verses. Then shall the dust of which God made man's body return to the earth as it was, and the spirit shall return to God who gave it. So if you're thinking, well, does it really say that, no, the spirit returns to God and the body goes into the ground? You can look at Ecclesiastes 12. That was specifically 7, but you can spend some time around there, and it's pretty clear. Okay, the body does return to the ground. Your spirit returns to God. Now, let me repeat what I said a moment ago. That God is spirit, so mankind was made from spirit. Mankind is sustained by his relationship with God's spirit. And mankind will return to the spirit world, which we translate as heaven, for those who are born again, and hell, for those that are not born again, that don't have a relationship with the Lord. So you go to one of those two places. My favorite sticker um, sign at one of the churches, when you die, which one will it be, smoking or non-smoking? Okay? So but I think the point is pretty clear there. So how's your relationship doing? How's your relationship doing? Um... Hey, can you come and pass some of this material? We're going to get into the crux of the material right now. I have a handout. I have a handout that we're going to pass to everyone about eight or nine years ago. I went through a very dark time frame in my life. And one of the things that helped me to come out of it was I went to a seminar by um, Neil Anderson. And one of the key things that came out of Neil Anderson's one-day seminar is this one sheet. Of course, he uh, did a really superb job of bringing the material around, but this one sheet was key because it says, who am I in Christ? Okay? Um, I'd like to take a look at just a few of the verses. But the first part says, I am accepted in Christ. Uh, Terry, do you mind taking John one twelve? Barbara, do you mind taking John fifteen fifteen? Terry, do you mind taking Romans eight? I'll lend you mine. <laughs> no. Uh, Okay, um, mind taking Romans 8, 1 and 2? Romans 8, no, 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 
Need the verse of scripture from your Bible. Okay, I'll make some more. Uh, how many do I have missing? Okay. Right, leave it at that. Sorry. To all who did accept him and believed him, gave the right to become children of God. If you want to know who you are in Christ, the first verse says you are children of God if you've accepted him. That's who you are. Barbara? So this is John fifteen fifteen. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all the things that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. Implication here is I don't have to work for my salvation as a slave, as a servant. But he calls me friend. Okay? Now, how many of us walk around... We can say that everybody we meet is a friend. Now, friends are something that's much more personal. That's what he calls us if we're in right relationship with him. And I'll let you look at the rest of the scriptures, but understand there's a key message in each one of those verses that speaks to us individually very specifically. Hey, Norman, the verse of scripture I asked you was Romans 8, 1 and 2. Did you bring your Bible? I, I no, have not it. out of the paper. I have it. Who? Who has it? I do. With the arrival of Jesus, the Messiah, that faithful dilemma was is resolved. Those who enter into Christ's being here for us no longer have a life under a consciousness, low-lying black cloud. A new power is in operation. The spirit of life in Christ, like the strong wind, has magnificently cleared the air, freeing you from the fated lifetime of brutal tyranny at the hands of sin and death. That's the message. You want it in the King James? Any other verses the words is going to use very specifically is condemnation, Yes. What this verse of Scripture says is, because of your relationship with me, you are no longer condemned from the works of sin. Yes, I'm no longer condemned. These are all really good. I'm a little bit at a loss as to which one I should pick, but... The homework I'm giving you for this week is go over these verses. This is who you are in Christ if you're born again. Now, if you're not, this doesn't apply to you. You don't have a relationship with God, so this does not apply with you. That can be fixed. We can deal with that today if you like. But the point is, is if you have a relationship with the Lord, you need to know we are, so that you can walk worthy of his calling. So 
Thank you. Must know who you are so you can walk worthy of his calling. And that's an individual thing. Okay? One of the items they have to impress upon you is you have to go beyond learning. You have to get to the point of knowing. Okay? You have to get beyond the part of learning, and that's on up here, but you've got to get to the point of knowing. Now, I think we can all remember, or at least I can, when I was in kindergarten, teacher was impressing upon us that 2 plus 2 equals 4. And we went through that over and over and over again. But it didn't mean anything. It only meant this is what the teacher wanted us to be able to repeat by rote. Okay? Yeah, we learned it by rote, but it didn't make an impression. Until the day she walked in and she put two apples. And I went, okay, I understand that. That's two. And then she put two more apples right next to them. Now we have four, and it's like, oh, I've got a mental picture. I understand what two plus two means. And from that, we went on to three plus three and everything else because... We understood, we knew what the first premise was, 2 plus 2 was 4. And from that, we were able to go do subtraction, multiplication, division, the rest of it, because the foundation was set, and everything else went from there. But our walk with the Lord, it has to be the same. We can know it from here, but that isn't going to help you on Monday. Got to be settled. Some of the things you need to settle are on that page. Okay, first of all, do you have a relationship with him? Okay, and if you do, the rest of those things on that sheet will be true. Okay, so we need to settle it. Uh, where are we? I wrote my notes in such a fashion that I thought I'd be able to follow them very easily, but I'm not sure where I'm up to. Ah, here we go. Yeah, the day she put the two apples on the counter and then put two more, we now had proof that two plus two equals four. Now, in our Christian walk, how do we get proof? Anyone? Anyone? What's the proof? Those are all things we do for learning. Okay? Proof is when faith and taking the first step forward comes together. 
where the proof comes from. In Romans, um, no, Galatians 3.6, I'll start with that one. Consider Abraham. He believed God and it was credit to him as righteousness. He believed God. How did he show he believed God? God said, go to the land I'll show you. Leave your relatives behind and I will bring you to the land I want you to live in. And what did he do? He took a step of faith, walked forward, and he went to wherever God showed him to go. He had no idea he was going to end up in what we call today Israel. All he knew was, yep, leaving my family behind, just like God said, We'll go to where he showed us. That's how you settle it. That never really, you know, stuck very firmly in my mind until I was having some conversations with my father-in-law. Uh, he's a World War II veteran on the Japan theater of war. And he used to tell me some stories st specifically towards the end before he passed away. He would tell me some stories about his group, he was the corporal, and uh, he felt very much responsible for the soldiers that were under him, and they had a very tight unit that everybody watched each other's back. They were all looking out for each other. Why? They had all been in combat against the Japanese, and they knew the only way they were going to survive is if they watched out for each one of them, each other, okay? And that's what we do with the Lord. We walk through specific things, leaning on him, and day by day, that's where we get our proof. And he says he will always be with us, he'll never leave us. Sounds good until you've walked through the valley. And then once you walk through the valley with him, it no longer sounds good. You know it's settled. That's where we need to be with our own faith. That's where we need to be with knowing who we are in God. Okay? So what is the walk? What are we supposed to, are we supposed to do? Let me, read, let me read Romans chapter 12, parts of it for you. Romans chapter 12 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, and beg of you in view of all the mercies of God to make a decisive dedication of your bodies, presenting all your members and faculties as a living sacrifice, wholly devoted and consecrated and well-pleasing to God, which is your reasonable, rational, intelligent service and spiritual worship. Um, I won't read the rest of it because that was just verse 1. The Amplified is good for that. It doubles everything you read. But verse 1 and 2 are key. And then um, I'm going to jump down to verse 9. Let your love be sincere, a real thing. Hate what is evil. Loathe ungodliness, turn in horror from wickedness, but hold fast to that which is good. 
love one another with brotherly affection as members of one family, giving precedence and showing honor to one another. Never lag in zeal and in earnest endeavor. Be aglow and burning with spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoice, rejoice and exult in hope. Be steadfast in patience and suffering and tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of God's people, sharing in the necessities of the saints, pursuing the practice of hospitality. Bless those who persecute you, who are cruel in their attitude towards you. Bless and do not curse them back. Share others' joy, rejoicing in those who rejoice, and share others' grief, weeping with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, snobbish, high-minded, exclusive, but readily adjust yourself to people, things, and give yourselves to humble tasks. Never overestimate yourself or be wise in your own conceits. Romans 12. You don't want to spend a lot of time in the Old Testament with all their rules and regulations. Romans 12. They'll boil it down for you. And if you seek to live that way day by day, you will fulfill the two great commandments. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbors as yourself. Okay, so I encourage you to spend time in Romans 12 in conjunction with the sheet that I just gave you so you know who you are and how the Lord wants you to live. In closing, and I don't have five or six closings like a lot of other folks do, but in closings, let's review. God made the heavens and the earth, and the earth is insignificant in size compared to the rest of the observable heavens. We are made from dust, but we are also made in the image of God, and we see a principle here. What we are made from is what sustains us, and that's what we return to when we pass away. Okay? Key message right there. Um, based on what we see, it is easy to believe we amount to nothing. Grasshoppers and worms, maggot as uh, Bill Bad says, especially when the enemy of our soul whispers that message in our ear on a daily basis. Wait till we're a little on the weak side, and then he comes over and he goes, so who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? I've been ransomed by the blood of Christ. That's who I am. I'm his child. I've been purchased and ransomed. And I am now his friend. Notice I'm starting to go over that list again. Do that. But God has given us love letters. He has sent his son to ransom us and brought us back into right standing with him. It's a message we need to get from the scriptures on a daily basis as we spend time there. Otherwise, your spirit will be hungry, and 
malnourished. And lastly, we might know this mentally, but we need to settle the issue in our hearts. It can't be just up here. It's got to sink the 18 inches, okay, so that it's settled that we know without a shadow of a doubt, okay, that we are his and he cares for us. Okay? Father, we just ask you to take this message and help us to burn it deeply in our hearts so we may be the people, we may be the church without spot or wrinkle so that you may return to your bride. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.